Gary and Vicky just a few years ago. Uh, good to see them here among our many visitors. Open your Bibles, if you would, to John 12. John 12 in verse 26. We're going to use this verse tonight. Uh, first, we're going to look at several passages, come to Acts 6 and spend a little while there, and then follow this topic throughout some other places in the New Testament. We stated the other, last time we studied this subject, that, that deacons in the New Testament, were deacons issues very rarely, but the, the family of words that are translated deacon in Philippians 1.1 and 1 Timothy 3 appear quite frequently. And they apply to all Christians. All Christians are deacons. And you notice that's in quotation marks. They may not be appointed special deacons, but they all have, they all have a special role to play. We all have a special place as servants of the Lord. In in John 12, verse 26, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now the words that are in italics... They indicate some form of our word for deacon. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am there, my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So three times there in that verse, one verse, you have this set of words. And it is applying to anyone who will follow after Jesus. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. It is a high calling to be a servant of the Lord. A high calling. In Matthew chapter 20, a passage that we discussed last time where James and John requested and their mother requested positions at his right and his left in the kingdom. Jesus emphasizes that being great in God's kingdom is not measured the way it is in kingdoms of the world. The Bible says our highest calling is to be a servant in Matthew 20, verse 25, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. And the Son of Man is no exception to this. The Son of Man, in verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. So this applies to all of us. This is a high calling, but that is not to eliminate the fact that the New Testament does talk about a special category of servants 
And they are mentioned in Philippians 1, verse 1. Uh, Philippians 1, 20, Philippians 1, 1, to the overseers and deacons. Deacons are transliterated form of this particular word, uh, often translated as servants. And 1 Timothy 3, as it tells us twice what deacons must be. So if we're all to be Christians, and yet there's a special category of these servants, then we see that deacons are to be living examples of the kind of service expected of all of us. Living examples of that kind of service. Now, Let's go to Acts 6. Acts 6. The question often asked is, are these people in Acts 6 deacons? It is sometimes pointed out that the word deacons is not applied to these special servants. That is correct. But the family of words that is translated deacon in the New Testament appears three times in this particular text. In verse 1, in verse 2, and in verse 4. But let's read the text ourselves. Acts 6, in verse 1, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. That word serving in verse 1 is from this series or this family of words. The daily serving of food. In verse 2, the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said it's not desirable to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. The work these men needed to do was a work of service. It was it was a work that, that deacons could do. In verse 3, but select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of word. The word ministry is from this family of words for serving, for deacon. Now here it is applying not to the seven, but it's applying here to the apostles and to their preaching. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5, the statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus, Prochorus and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Uh, And after they brought these before the apostles, and after praying, they laid hands on them. Were these men deacons or not? I I, I don't know. I I think you could... I've heard it argued both ways, and and personally, I, I don't know that it's completely conclusive either way. I think there are some similarities. 
But it is interesting that there are qualifications for these seven who are selected. And let's look at these qualifications. What does he say about these seven people? Now, let me make an obvious point that I acknowledge in years past. I probably would have just taken for granted. He says, select seven men. The word that is chosen is particularly the male gender. The Bible calls men to spiritual leadership. It calls men to spiritual leadership in their families and in the local congregation. Are men fulfilling that role? This was a survey from a couple of years ago. The average church in the United States is made up 61% women, 39% men. As a whole, men are not living up to that role of spiritual leadership. That is not an excuse for us to substitute and to change God's arrangement. But it is to say, the responsibility rests with women to respect this and men to respect this and to demonstrate this. Seven men of good reputation, of good reputation, when elders are mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy 3 verse 7, He must have a good reputation with those outside. As the Bible is talking in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 10 about women who are to be cared for by the congregation. They are having a reputation for good works. Sometimes we assume this as a given. We assume that the people we're dealing with are respected by all. Without knowing this. Let me tell you a reason why I say this. Years ago, a different city, a person worked with a member of the Lord's Church from another congregation. He comes to me and says, what should I do? I work with this man. He is put up for an elder in another congregation. No one at work respects his character. I'm sure the people at work, the people at church are assuming that that's the case, but it's not. I, I don't remember exactly what I told him. I think I told him to talk to him. 
But what that illustrates is that it is not a given that a person has a good reputation. Seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit. You see that in verse 3, and you see that in verse 5. Full of the Spirit. Well, how do we show that? How do we show that we're full of the Holy Spirit? Stephen is described in verse 5. Well, we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Full of the Spirit. Full of wisdom also in Acts 6 in verse 3. Later in verse 10, the Bible says they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the Spirit with which He was speaking. They are said to be in verse 5, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. They are full of faith. They are characterized by their faith in God, their trust in God, and that that just is the way they live. These are qualifications for these seven who are selected to care for the widows. I also want you to notice that the Bible says they brought them before the apostles. Acts 6 verse 6. Brought them before the apostles. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. Now... We see in the New Testament, sometimes prayer before people are selected to important positions. In Luke 6 verse 12, that is the passage that tells us Jesus prayed all night. He prayed all night before selecting the apostles in Luke 6 verses 13 through 16. He entered into that decision with prayer. I do not completely understand how Jesus who is God and Jesus who is man prayed for wisdom in such situations, but he knew this decision that he would make was vital. And he prays all night before selecting them the next day. In Acts 1, verse 24, the apostles directed the prayer to the Lord and said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all men. So which of these two you have chosen? As they were choosing a successor for Judas, ultimately the lot falls to Matthias. Uh, but they prayed to the Lord before their selection. Now, sometimes people, after they were appointed to the office in New Testament, pray for strength for their work. I think that's the case here in Acts 6 and verse 6. As these seven are chosen to care for the widows, the text tells us they pray, they laid their hands on them. Look at Acts 13. In Acts 13, there were all kinds of teachers in the church at Antioch. There were prophets, there were teachers there. And the Bible tells us that they were fasting and praying. And the Holy Spirit says, set apart Barnabas and Saul to the work which I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed they laid their hands on them and sent them away. 
Now in this passage, they are not praying for, for wisdom in selecting the people. The Holy Spirit's already done that. The Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work. They are praying for their strength. They pray for them. They lay their hands on them. Now, these are two possibilities. You pray to select someone. Pray before selecting someone. You pray after selecting uh, someone to strengthen them for the work. I am not sure which of these two, or maybe both of these, are the case in Acts 14.23. When the text says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. It, It could be either one of those previous categories. God's people must enter God's work with prayer. Asking Him for strength. Asking Him for sustenance. Begging His blessing upon our work. God's people must enter God's work with prayer. And they laid their hands on them. To just convey, giving them a miraculous gift. Or does it convey simply commissioning them for a task? Like Moses lays his hands on Joshua in Numbers 27, verse 18 and 23, when Joshua is going to succeed him. Or 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, Paul tells Timothy, talks about the laying on of the hands by the presbytery, uh, the elders. Um, so I don't think it probably conveys here any type of miraculous gift. I think it is just a way that they commissioned them to a new work. So are these people deacons or not? Like I said, I really don't know that is the pivotal issue. Though I can understand, as you can see, This having a part in the discussion of the subject. My question is not so much to be worried whether or not they were deacons. But this is a problem I have seen with Acts 6. Or people's, not with Acts 6, with people's interpretation of Acts 6. Have you heard people go to this passage and say deacons' work is physical and elders is spiritual? Even if you give it, if you grant that they're deacons, is that correct? Um... While there are physical things involved in caring for widows, would you describe that as a physical thing? Or a spiritual thing? Or both? How would you describe it? But I also want you to think of this. Of these seven, two are followed a little bit throughout the New Testament. 
Stephen is chosen for this work. And Philip, who's chosen for this work, is also followed a little bit. What are those two most well-known for? They are most well-known for preaching. In Acts 7, Stephen preaches the longest sermon in the book of Acts. In Acts 8 and Acts 21 verse 9, Philip is specifically called the evangelist. So, I, I don't, I, I grant it, they were doing something here of a nature that the apostles knew was a good work, but the apostles had a ministry praying and teaching the word. So, so I, I understand a little bit of where that comes from, but, but I, I don't think that's a correct conclusion. And what we want to do in the rest of the lesson tonight is just to look through the New Testament. And to see some context where this particular word service is used. And how it is used of a wide variety of activities. What is it that deacons do? How is it they serve? How is it that they demonstrate that they are servants? Well, it's just all kinds of ways in the New Testament. Now, I'm basing that just on the use. Again, of the Stanley words. But I was surprised at how frequently this word is used in reference to some kind of preaching or teaching in God's word. By the way, I do not claim that this list will fully identify everything. If you want to read through all a hundred passages... Where it is used, these words are used, and see if you think I've left out some important category, and I don't doubt that I have, then if it comes to your mind and you want to share it with me, you can feel free to do that. But look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5. The Bible says here, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now the word ministry, again the words in italics, indicate, the words in italics indicate this family of words associated with our word deacon. Fulfill your ministry. But he says, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Apparently, he is fulfilling his ministry of speaking and teaching and preaching God's word. In this context, where Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great, great patience and instruction. Now, let's look at just a few other passage, passages, starting from Acts and touching upon a few that use this particular word, uh, these particular words in this way. In Acts 1, verse 20, Acts 1, verse 17, in Acts 1, verse 25, Judas is said to have received a share in this ministry. And the one who replaced him, Matthias, is said to occupy this ministry, an apostleship. 
What Judas had done and now what Matthias has done is a ministry. It is a service. It is fulfilling this role as special servants among the people of God. What did they do? In Acts 1 verse 22, the Bible says that they are chosen to be a witness with us of His resurrection. I don't think Acts 1 verse 22 is talking about the qualification for an apostle to be an eyewitness of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 9 verses 4 and 5 mentions, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord? Not saying that's not a qualification, but the term witness here seems to be used in terms of one who preaches, who proclaims. He proclaims what he has seen. He is going to be a preacher of the resurrection and this is a ministry. It is a service. Acts 6 verse 4 used the term the same way as the apostles were going to give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In Acts 20 verse 24, the New Testament says there, Acts 20 verse 24, but I consider, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly to the grace of God. He preaches, he proclaims the message of God's grace and that is said to be a ministry, a service. Ephesians 3 and verse 7 of whom I was made a minister, notice that word in italics, and I'm basing this on the New American Standard, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. Just two more passages to illustrate our point. Paul talked about Christ regarding Him as faithful, putting Him into service. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, that was 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. In 1 Peter chapter 1, this word is applied to the Old Testament prophets. It's applied to the Old Testament prophets. In verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. And there's our family of word from which we get the word deacon. They were not serving themselves, but you. And these things which they have now announced to you, through those who preach the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. I could have given more verses. I think that adequate to illustrate the point that you see this term applied to preaching and teaching God's Word. You also see it to giving financially to God's Word. In Luke 8, verse 3, Luke 8, verses 2 and 3, there are a group of women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, 
um, Susanna. And the Bible says many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. Now, notice that I have everything there contributing to their support in Idaho. It's all basically a form of that word for deacon. But as these women give up their means to support Jesus and his disciples in their work, this work is described in this fashion. They were contributing to their support. They were serving in this special way. It is also applied to taking care of the needy. In Jesus' picture of the judgment scene, in Matthew 25, in Matthew 25, in verse 44, some will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care? And the word take care of this special group of words. So the word can be referred to preaching. It can be referred to giving of your means to support preaching. It can be refer, used to refer to taking care of the hungry and the sick and the naked. And it is used rather frequently in those sections of the New Testament about giving and delivering money to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. What is striking is there are five, there are six references on this law from 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9. Six times This family of words for deacon is used to talk about delivering money to the poor Christians that were in Jerusalem. It's not limited to that context, but it is frequently used in this context. Could there be other categories that I didn't include that I should have? I'm sure. And if you want to, those notes later, we'll make sure to get them to you. The kind of service, there are some passages where the kind of service just isn't qualified very clearly. In Hebrews 6, in verse 10. Hebrews 6 in verse 10, there the Bible says, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His name in having ministered and in still ministering to the same. Now, how did they minister to the saints? How did they do that in the past? How are they doing that in the present? Something specific, you see. And the Bible in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 15 says about the household 
of Stephanus. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 15, I urge brethren that you know the household of Stephanus, that they were the first fruits of Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the ministry for the saints, or ministering to the saints. Some of your versions may have. Uh, but but their ministry or ministry is our word for service. What am I saying? What do deacons do? Just about anything. Just about anything that you can think of as service. That's what they are called to do. It is hard to be very specific. Hard to be very specific. But I do think we can see we don't limit their work to what we would describe as physical. When the process finishes and the church appoints people, we assume, to serve in this role, and let's say, and this will be the majority of people, who will not be mentioned, who will not be detailed in a special sense. Does that mean that we fold our hands and do nothing? Or does that mean there's a role for each of us to play in God's service? The responsibilities that each person has whether they are officially appointed or not. There's a role for everybody to play. There's a service for everybody to render. There are things for everyone to do in the service of the Lord. We do them, as we stated this morning, with our eyes upon God, looking for His approval, Begging for His strength in the work. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we are humbled to be able to be spoken of as Your servants. And whatever capacity we serve, we know that we are totally dependent upon you. We are totally dependent upon your mercy and your grace for our forgiveness. We are totally dependent upon your strength to be able to serve. We are totally dependent upon you for the talents that we have, for the opportunities that we are given. All good things flow from you.
We pray, O Lord, that as we look at this list, we can see things that each of us need to do in your service. We pray that you help us to see work that we have. And we look to you for help and strength to do the task that you ask of us. But we ask, Lord, as a local congregation, as we seek to work together, that we might be a body that seeks to pull together and have love and concern for each other and to help each other to make it to heaven by your mercy, by your grace. We pray, O God, that you may help us all in this way. Help us to serve in your vineyard. And we pray, O Lord, that you raise up special servants who would exemplify to all what service to your name means. Ever keep us humble. Keep our eye on you. And bring us home to glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Try next time to talk about the uh, passages. A passage in 1 Timothy 3. Specifically that deals with some things that a deacon must be. Maybe you have not taken the first steps toward being his servant. If you believe Jesus died and rose again and are willing to turn from your sins in repentance and to be baptized for remission of sins, we want to help you to become one of his children as we stand and as we